This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society. And we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. And hello, Hearts of Oak. Thank you so much for joining us. And it is wonderful to have a guest who I've got to know fairly well over the last few years. And she has been on. In fact, Alan and I traveled all the way up to Rotherham, my first time in Rotherham. Uh, and it was to talk to Elizabeth. Elizabeth Harper, thank you so much for coming along today um, and joining us and giving us your time. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, thank you for having me on again. Not at all. Any time. It's been a while, so apologies. And we are going to talk about your book, which was published earlier this year. This is Snatched Elizabeth Harper, My True Story of Survival. And I think I also want to tag on and the failure of the police. I will talk about that. We, I remember when Alan and I went up and we talked to your dad i remember interviewing him and we put that little clip out of the failure of the south yorkshire police um but elizabeth there are your story is i guess repeated in many other people and you've decided to put this book together which people can get hold now if they go on amazon they can click on it they can buy it and underneath you is at snatched 1400 which is your twitter handle people i would encourage to go and follow you find out a little bit more about you and i think this is it's a perfect stocking filler it's a difficult book to read but it also helps people understand what exactly has been happening but what maybe i can ask you what made you decide that you wanted to put your story down in a book i think after uh, the alexis Chamber party i went on a journey uh, for justice um and i did get a bit of justice not a lot and the next step for me was getting a little bit more justice because obviously um the one of my perpetrators who uh, features heavily in the book had actually died and she was a female um and then i started coming across things on social media where i was seeing um labels being attached to women uh, giving them excuses of mental health, being a victim myself. And I just wanted to raise awareness, really, of the fact that we can stereotype a, a perpetrator, but that's not always right. And while we're doing that, women are actually getting away with it. Um, and I think I wanted, I wanted people to be made aware of the fact that this can happen and a, a, a woman can be capable of those things. And the um, the kind of subtitle is trapped by a woman to be sold to men. And that's uh, uh, something I think which people don't realise when you look at the names of individuals who have been convicted. It's obviously a list of names. Um, and this is looking at actually your case me was slightly different or is a story that has to be told of how there are women also who are involved in kind of orchestrating this. Yeah, and I think, you know... Um with my case especially, and I know there'll be probably several more, is the fact that South Yorkshire Police had had intelligence on this um, this woman for quite about three, four years before I even came along. Um, when I did Panorama um, in the early, 
early stages from the Alexis Dreary part, they found some damning stuff um, around how she'd actually um, set up um, an help, a help, well, an helpline to lure young girls in. In 1999, South Yorkshire Police had actually um, shut that down. So there was, she were known by nine different aliases, and Rotherham Council actually gave her a taxi contract to go and pick children up from school. There were several accounts of um, events and intelligence where she was hanging around sexual health clinics or anywhere that youth would be. And, you know, they were fully aware of this. So, really, I should have not been that victim. Um, yeah. Well, let, 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 let me jump because I want to get into the institution of the field. And uh, I remember when Alan and I were up there, uh, you took us around some of the places in Rotherham and pointed them out. But maybe, first of all, if you could just give, I guess, your story, um, a kind of a shortened overview of it. Um, and I know people will want to get hold of the book for the full story, but just give us an overview. I'll start off from, you know, the... Um it, how it all started with the fact that I were bullied in um, secondary school or quite academically bright. I started training from school. Um, I came from what, whatever you call a normal family, but um, a real, I were well looked after. Um, had a brilliant upbringing. Um, while I was training, um, I came across Shafina Ali. Um, I started training in a, at, at, at her flat where there were another young girl um, who she portrayed as a daughter, but it weren't, as I come to find out later on. Um, I was still going at home at that point, and um, one day when I went um, to train again, um, that young girl wasn't there no more. Um, couldn't understand where she'd gone or anything like that but obviously you know now I know what she was there for um, and that day when she went missing was the day that basically I was um, placed in that flat and I was locked in there for 10 weeks during that 10 weeks um, taxi drivers had come Ashgore Boston for one um, I was drinking every um, my mum and dad were absolutely pounding the streets, phoning the police. Um, uh, my dad came over to the flat twice, was arrested twice. Um, and yeah, you know, the um, the amount of uh, trauma that I've received from that flat were absolutely horrendous. I mean, obviously, I don't need to spell it out to anyone, but what I'll describe it as is, you know, it's your worst nightmare, probably times 100. Um she was very, very skilled in what she did. Um, Elizabeth, you you mentioned about your father and you, you skimmed over it about his going to the police, knowing where you were and going to contact the police. And I think what you've mentioned will, I think will blow people's mind. And one way seems unbelievable, uh, but I know I've looked into this and certainly I have, from my uh, research found out actually this was a, the, the norm and the even the BBC had put out in, in one of their documentaries on the three girls but where your father tried to contact the police and they arrested him instead of those who were the perpetrators um, 
explain that to us because that is just that just is a, a lot for people to take in and you glossed over it um basically uh, my dad's arrest were highlighted in the alexis J report and the casey report um around um that i had a child protection worker god knows why because she didn't know very much but um <laughs> she um she went over to my dad's property because they were ringing and ringing and ringing. It could be, uh, my mum would report me missing, it could take 48 hours, 72 hours for them to arrive, if not at all. On this one particular time, this child protection worker came and my dad were kicking off saying, you need to do something, I know where she is, you know where she is, so go and get her out. Um, they refused point blank knowing the full history of this woman as well and what she was capable of. So Dad absolutely lost it and went over to the flat. Within minutes, South Yorkshire Police were arresting him. Um, took him to do whatever they needed to do, let him back out. Dad went to the property again and they come and got him. This, um, the thing I can't get my head around with it all is that at that time, the only adult to face any consequences for my abuse from my own dad no other adult. Um, there were times where they'd um, come over, uh, the police, line them up in the in the house, search the house, do everything really to deflect on what was really happening. Wow. What? Tell us more about them. The the police, the South Yorkshire Police. Um, what have you found out any more? Kind of now after as time has gone on have you got more information on kind of why they refuse to do anything or what's happened kind of post everything when um the alexis J report came out and i put myself forward to south yorkshire police um before the national crime agency took over i decided to complain about south yorkshire police to the iopc um something that was quite an interesting journey um, to the fact that, you know, um, I could never understand why the police were investigating the police, but that's another story. So I went on um, on the journey to um, report these police officers and I got my report in, I think it was 2020, no, 19, I think, something like that. And... Um, out of ten complaints, seven of them had been upheld, and one of the one of them was um, mine and my dad's complaints were in in it together. God knows why, because we'd made separate complaints, but it came, um, and it were both our complaints. And one, what I found very very interesting is that um, my dad had rang the police station back when this was going off, and spoken to somebody who were. Um, quite high up in the police and told him why aren't you doing anything there's something seriously wrong and he said well it's just a phase and it's something what we all call um i don't know if i'm going to be able to say this because it's really bad but it was highlighted in big um letters the term packy shagging and at the bottom of it was actually um, uh, my complaint was upheld and it, say, it said that I was abused on the fear of racial tension. Mm. 
No, no, that's something that I don't fall for because how could you ever let children be abused on a fear? Mm. Um, and all the way through, there were a narrative of um, different things. Um, basically, they upheld the complaints, but they said that the, the police officers involved, they couldn't identify. So I went on this um, big parade of um, why, why can't you, how come you kind of uphold complaints, but you can't identify those that were responsible? Um, so I saw zero accountability at all. Do you, uh, I don't know if you can answer this, but I'll ask you anyway. Um, do you think it was the feelings of individual officers? Because I, I'm trying to put myself, if I was a policeman and I heard something was happening like this, I would want to go and uh, the whole reason you I guess, join the police is so you can tackle crime and you hear this and you want to respond. Um, were were they pressurised from above, not wanting to stir tensions up? Um, what's your, could, can you answer that or give your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I what I blame individual officers for is not, not responding in a way where you're sympathetic I came through a lot of um, in touch with a lot of lot of PC level police officers, and their attitude they shouldn't have been around children. I don't blame them for the actual failings. I blame the senior officers for that, because as a in the beginning I did blame them for it, but as time's gone on and I do what I do, I've actually seen that you can't you can't get past anything without they have been to go and speak to a sergeant or an inspector. So I think it were more high level than the PC level. And of course, it was not just your experience at South Yorkshire Police, but I've read numerous stories about Greater Manchester Police uh, with Rochelle up there and other police forces. Um, it's, again, this is where it becomes even more difficult to comprehend that it's not just one corrupt police force but actually it's all around the country and we're seeing this these failures i guess happening in police force upon police force all across the country is that a kind of fair assessment yeah of course it is you know um we're seeing we're seeing quite a lot of it and you know the narrative through every every police force is that somebody who's a victim of child sexual exploitation can't be a victim without taking some responsibility for their own abuse and that's what we need to stop mm, yeah even even the term you use so cse is the is the the government term and i remember whenever one of the reports came out i thought i would Google the instances of CSE, child sexual exploitation, and grooming gangs. Um, grooming gangs is the term that I guess much of the public understand and a lot of the media report on. And there were something like 99 times the amount of Google searches coming for grooming gangs as there were for CSE. And it seems though they're trying to use a term that people don't understand, people don't get, it's not been reported on. So to deflect that actually this is not really happening, we'll come up with a, a strange couple of letters that confuse you. Uh, does that make sense? 
It does, but uh, my preference is that I like child sexual exploitation. Okay. And not, okay. as the correct term, and not grooming, because grooming, grooming makes it sound a little bit, you know, mm, different. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. Animal. It's no, um, it's something I don't like. I think it takes away um, how severe it actually is. Okay, no, no, fair, fair, fair point. The you mentioned another kind of part of institutions, uh, which was child protection officers. Um, I, I'm assuming, and you can correct me and explain a little bit about what they should be doing. I'm assuming these are from local councils, uh, kind of at a council level, that local government level, um, and they are there to. Uh, I guess they will have a list of specific children that they are there to oversee and make sure they can help. Um, can you kind of explain what they should be doing and how they failed? Well, this one particular uh, child protection officer worked for, you know, South Yorkshire Police, and she was meant to basically protect and safeguard, and she didn't do anything of it, any of any of the sort, really. She just basically fit just left me in dangerous situations. The only time that she ever come up with anything reasonable were when she was going to put me in a secure unit. Um, but then, yet again, I was taking responsibility for my own abuse, really. Wow, wow. And I'm assuming that, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I've read, certainly in the police side and the local council, is that these people are not punished for failing to do their job i mean most most people who go to a nine-to-five job if they don't meet certain targets that they fail them they are sacked or they're demoted but it seems though there's been no punishment against the police and also the failings at local council level no nothing um you know i mean the police officers can go into an interview and be questioned about what they've done what they haven't done and if they say terms like, I do not recall or I can't remember, then that's them getting off. And that's where the legislation really needs to change. Have there been any changes? Have you seen any? We've seen report after report. You've mentioned the Alexa J report. Uh, I, I think in Rother Malone, there were probably six local reports. Uh, have you seen any changes happening in kind of the council or the police uh, to stop this happening or is it simply that they just apologise and kind of pretend or say that it won't happen again but there are no changes? Well, um, in Rotherham alone we've had 10 reports, you know. Wow. Uh, reports into the council, the Alexis J, uh, Louise Casey, John Drew and the IOPC. So we've had, no, 11 actually because we had the second IOPC report as well. But the always the thing is with these reports is, you know, we can, people can keep spending money after money after money on them, but they only give out recommendations. So basically, if the police or the council don't agree with it, then they just don't implement it. Also, you, you, I learned through the IOPC, um, being obviously going forward to them, that when your report is done into your allegations, they send it back to South Yorkshire Police for them to see if they agree with it or not. 
So really, it's a pointless exercise, <laughs> these reports, because, you know, they just get a chance to say, well, if they disagree, they disagree. They just don't do anything with them. Wow. Um, let me bring up once again the cover. So when you go on Amazon, I've held it up, but you can go, you can get it as a, a paper book, you can get it as a Kindle. Um, and I would encourage you to go type in Elizabeth Harper Snatched, or if you click on any of the links in the description, if you're watching video, you're listening on Podbean or podcasting apps, the link will be in the description. Um, I'd encourage you to click on it, get a hold of it, um, and read it and read it for yourself first and i think it will be a book that you want to pass on to others so um i just encourage you as we're what seven weeks away from christmas get a hold of it read it uh, and i think it'll be a a useful helpful book elizabeth i think it's important to recognize those who have helped and there are a number of people at the end in the acknowledgements section. Uh, I, we often look at the failings, but without these good people, there are a few of them, uh, but they have done what they should have done as a human being and also in their role. Uh, and I know they have stood with you, helped you and helped many others. So maybe if we can just go through a number of them and you can mention who they are and one who I've seen a lot is Sarah Champion, who's the MP uh, for Rotherham, and she has been vocal on this, hasn't she? Yeah, she's um, played a huge part uh, in my journey. You know, um, she just understands and she tries to do what's right. Um, um, there's been several situations where I've rang her and I've said, I need you to help with this, and she's straight on it. Wow. And she and she's weird. I mean, I it, it the whole thing is unbelievable. It was unbelievable when someone is criticised for raising this issue, and she has faced a lot of criticism in the Labour Party for standing up and speaking, hasn't she? She has, and to be fair, um, and credit to Sarah the champion, the fact is that she's been a consistent figure in what's happened, what's happened, and what's happening in Rotherham right now. Yeah, she is uh, very, very good at what she does. Uh, another person you mentioned is Jane Senior, and I've had the, the honour of meeting Jane. Do you want to let us know a little bit about Jane and Risky Business and what that was about? Because she has also played a part in highlighting this, this injustice. Yeah, um, I first came into contact with Jane Senior about around being 14. Her and her project actually saved my life because if it wasn't for them and my mum and dad, then God knows where I'd have been. Jane later went on to blow the whistle in Rotherham and I got back in contact with her at age 27. Um, she's been absolutely, I can't even put into words how amazing she's been the last few years with Corp, with my family, with absolutely everything. She's an absolute diamond. And she has faced huge criticism. I think she's been investigated many, many times simply for exposing this. And it shows, I, I think that shows the, the absolute failure of our system. Someone who speaks the truth and yet the system comes down and tries to crush them and she seems uncrushable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's Jane. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, no, t- tell us because she has been a a, a local councillor, uh, was local councillor for the the Labour Party. So has taken, I guess, her experience in in working with you and others and tried to bring that to a political level. Um, and that's she hasn't stayed, I guess, within her area, within her sector, but she's wanted to take that and, and publicise it. Yeah, I, you know, um, Jane had her reasons for um, joining, La- well, join, joining Labour um, and it didn't work out for her. But, you know, we're all proud of her. We really are proud of her because every time she thinks that she can make a difference, that's what she'll do. And she never gives up. She doesn't give up. She's a fiery character. Uh, she's brilliant. Um, you also mentioned some police officers, and you specifically mention one here. Uh, you say PCSO, Paul Newman, MBE. Um, so there were some individual police who you recognise as actually they tried to do their job. Well, that isn't from historical. It's not historical. It's from uh, present. And Paul came, um, Paul was sent to me because um, of some issues that I were having. Um, and, you know, he's a, he is absolutely amazing and he is the model of what every police officer in the country should be like. He's absolutely amazing. Um, you also mentioned about the National Crime Agency. Tell us about that because people think, well, the system has failed. Um but you mention them in acknowledgement uh, for always believing me and getting me justice. Tell us about National Crime Agency and what their role was. The National uh, Crime Agency took time to, you know, um, figure out what kind of personality I had, how they could work with me. And when I say that I made them earn the money, I made them earn the money. You know, (laughs) if that had been South Yorkshire Police, it would have been off. And um, I was with them quite a long time, you know, f- four years. And I, don't, I really, really do not know, without them two officers that I had, I would have actually dealt with court, you know, because other than Jane, my parents, my sister, there were actually nobody else because they don't rally around the support. And, you know... Like with my with my court case, it was actually quite unique in, you know, um, things that had happened in the week, like you know the BBC exposing me and and stuff like that. But you know they were always there. They were absolutely amazing, and you know I liked how the National Crime Agency were always victim focused. How did how did they do their job and South Yorkshire Police didn't? Uh, kind of when you look at them both. Because, how, yeah, how did one do what they should have done and one failed? See, I don't actually know because when um, I did my... I had to be re-interviewed off the National Crime Agency. I'd already been on done interviews with South Yorkshire Police, but they had to be redone. And within me um, going to do my interviews with the National Crime Agency, I'd gave nicknames in and um, stuff like that. Because obviously, you know, the thing about um, CSE is these these perpetrators, they know everything about you and you don't know nothing about them. Hmm. And that's how it works. And I, I, within like six months, I had an arrest and 
have a look. But they took the time out, you know. Um, I was at my mum and dad's address and they were ringing me. I always remember the date, 30th of June 2016. And they were ringing me and saying, where are you? We're knocking on your door. And I said, why? I said, I'm at my mum's. Um, and they came and said, come and sit in back at the car. We've got something to tell you. And they'd actually got Ashgar in the cells. So within 20 minutes of arresting him, they were outside my house telling me. Wow. Wow. You know, all, all that day, um, they, they arrested him on a nickname. I mean, and the stu- well, I'll tell you this bit after. After um, Ashgar, two weeks later, 10 past six in the morning, they were ba- proper banging on my door. So I went down and they'd arrested two men in Bradford on nicknames. You know, so what I'm trying to basically say is that when policing's done right, it works. Hmm. Wow, wow. Um, you touch here about media, and you say about the Panorama team. Uh, you say Joe and Estella and Alison and the Panorama team. Thank you for helping me find answers and for your support. Tell us about that. Well, I know this will be a touchy subject for some of your viewers anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But um, <laughs> um, how I come across Panorama Team was um, two months prior to um, the Alexis J report came, coming out, my mum rang me and said, the BBC's in my garden. I was like, well, what are you on about? And she's like, seriously, ring your dad. So I said, dad, what is going off? He said, no, seriously, do you want to speak to you? I was like, well, no. Not really. I was leading a normal life with a job, you know, bringing up my daughter. Simple as that. Um, and then the Alexis J report it, and something made me so angry um, that day that I decided to go and film with them down um, what we call a dam, but basically like a canal thing. Um, and a couple of weeks after I took uh, part in the first one, um, they asked me if I wanted to go on a journey with them in finding some answers for myself. So for six months, I worked with the Panorama team in finding out what Shafina was, how she operated, and how far the police had actually done to cover it up. Um, and in June 2015, it aired Stolen Childhoods, where I did a full exposure on Shafina Ali. Um, I went... And the Panorama team found me those answers, you know, them missing bits that probably I'd have never found out. I'd still be sat here and not known anything about it. So I do owe them a lot because um, they actually helped me on a journey in finding myself, really. Well, it's good to hear the BBC doing something good, so <laughs> I get you. Um, you also mentioned some local officials, some councillors, uh, you said to councillor Jill Thompson for going on a journey alongside us and fighting for CSE and those future victims. Uh, and you also say to councillor Emily Bartley for going on a journey alongside us. Do you want to just mention those and kind of the support you had from local councillors? Right. Uh, we've always been a labour around town, always, with a few independents. Um, in the last elections, we had 
elect we had elected twenty Tory councillors. All I can say about them is they have absolutely tried and tried and tried to fight for justice, not only for us, for them children that are going through it now. Jill and Emily have been absolutely amazing. They, they've had a lot, a lot of um, comments that they're doing it for political reasons, that it's for political gain. I can honestly say that that ain't the reason. They're so, so genuine. And what we've seen is, um, now that we've got Tories in Rotherham, is we've seen that change now. You know, that for once we've got councillors wanting to do the right thing. Wow. That's, it's good to hear. Um, Kanazi, you mentioned uh, Veronica Clark, and her name is at, at the opening uh, for Turning Your Life Into a Book. Um, you had obviously someone helping you put the book together. Uh, tell us about Veronica. Absolutely amazing woman. Absolutely amazing. You know, I always thought that, you know, I wouldn't be able to put stuff in that book that I wanted because I did want to put my IOPC report in. I did want to name people. And she made all that possible. You know, it was never, you know, it was never, oh, you can't say this, you can't say that. Because I like to be quite open and say what I need to say. And I was I was allowed to do that. But not only that, she took me on that journey that I was actually scared of doing. So I don't think twice of going on TV, radio, or doing things to wind the police up or what, whatever. But I was scared of doing that. And she made me not scared. She's absolutely amazing. Wow. Um, the at the end you say to Emily Emily Vaughan, author of Enslaved, thank you for your empowerment and support. This would wouldn't have been possible without you. Uh, tell us about Emily. So that she's somebody um, who I met on Twitter and um, sparked up a friendship with. She's an absolutely lovely, amazing girl, and she actually wrote her book with Veronica and introduced me to Veronica and said, you need to do it, you need to do it. And wherever there's anybody that needs empowering, Ems will be there. She's amazing. Wow. Um, it's, yeah, I think it's good to kind of end with some of those positives because there are uh, good individuals who have done what they, what they should have done. Uh, as I said at the beginning and in the middle, you can get hold of the book if you read on Kindle. You can get hold as a Kindle. You're going to get a paperback and a paperback. Uh, the links are all in the description. I would encourage you to click on it, get a hold of a copy. Um, if you've listened to Elizabeth's story, go for it. Click on the link, put it in your basket, order it, get it to your house and go through the book. Um, and I know you'll want to um, to share that with others. Um, have we left anything out, Elizabeth, apart from buy the book? <laughs> Is there anything which uh, we haven't touched on or you want to leave the viewers with? No, I think that's it, really. Just they have to get the book. Say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, it's been a... Uh, it's been a, a joy getting to to know Elizabeth. Uh, I've 
through different things I've done through interviewing her before going up to see her um, and getting to to know her. And um, I would once again leave our viewers and listeners uh, with the recommendation that you get a hold of that. Uh, I think it's seven ninety nine or something. So uh, it's not that much. Uh, probably about the price of a, a pint of beer these days. So get a hold of it and read it yourself and pass it on and let someone else hear Elizabeth's story. Um, and maybe they might want to see how they can get involved in doing good where they are. So on that, and make sure and follow Elizabeth on Twitter at Snatched1400. There, so when, as we finish, you click on that link, get the book, and also click on Elizabeth's handle on Twitter. Make sure and follow her. Make sure and see what she's talking about. And make sure and see what she's doing uh, and support her in that way. And I think on that, I'll wish you, our viewers, a wonderful rest of your day. Uh, this is coming to you a few hours before we're recording this, just prior. Uh, you'll get it this evening, Monday the 31st. If you're listening on Podbean or in the podcasting apps, you listen on the go. Thank you for listening. All the links are in the description. So on that, I wish you all a wonderful rest of your day. And we, Hearts of Oak, will look forward to being with you once again on Thursday. So thank you so much and goodbye. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list. Donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org. Thank you for listening.